and welcome to another episode of the Scions of the Southland recap show. As always, my name is Akshay Schwarin, and joining me over from Chicago, Illinois, a man who is obsessed with his beloved Chicago Bears and their NFL playoff odds, Mr. Jake Grant. How are you on this beautiful night, sir? As always, you uh, you uh, really talk me up. I appreciate the oversell. Uh, you might paint me to be a bigger Bears fan than I am, but uh, it's nice to see the hometown team win. Um, I don't know. I'm. You guys probably know this, but I'm not the biggest NFL guy, so <laughs> I just wow. I, you don't say. I gotta ride that fantasy football, but other than that, it, it's it's uh it's tech or nothing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I can condone that setup. Uh, given tech sports recent history, can I uh can I just be a tech uh, baseball fan or something? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, well we'll we'll allow it. Okay, we'll allow it. Um, we do have actually we don't have a lot of stuff to get to this week, so maybe maybe we'll talk some baseball if we if we have some time. Um, you know we had, we had some women's basketball news pop up. Um. We wanted to talk about our uh, swim and dive rankings again. I know we talked about that before the show. Um, uh, we had some men's basketball games this week and then some football news as well as we wrap up the 2020 season, as it were. And I know we have a couple of, couple of beefs that we want to get off our chest coming up here as well. You're, uh, if you're interested in the tea. You can probably skip to, what, 10 minutes before the end, and you'll probably land smack dab into me saying something ridiculous about the playoff. But until then, we got we got plenty of basketball to talk about and, and keep that seat warm. So, All right, let's throw our usual 35 minutes on the clock plus our usual stoppage time. Hopefully it will not be the abundance of stoppage time that we've had previously uh, for, you know, our ref is – our ref tonight is feeling a little less generous. And by ref, I mean my personal bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we should, we, should get a, we should get a tech person in here just to, uh, to call the ref. Keep us, you know, keep us in our corners. Be the nice umpire. Uh, oh, I can't wait to be shown a red card for saying something dumb. Just obviously because podcasting is a visual medium. You'll watch me get issued a red card. But, uh, <laughs> you know... That would be that would be an interesting experience. Speaking of cards, I, a, a big uh, benefit to my volleyball watching experience this year, because you know I, I like to make it over to O'Keefe, was bringing a green uh, flash card with me in order to uh, be like you should <laughs> for the challenge. Uh huh. Um, you should and, just put a challenge flag in your sock. Oh, pff, that would have. That that would have been a little too on the nose, I guess. You know, the volleyball, I like it. It's a little subdued. It's just the flashcard because outside, outside those four walls, it means nothing. It's a little square, but inside, it's kind of a giant uh, screw you to the ref. So, it's a giant you know, meme. Oh, we who likes memes? Certainly not us. <laughs> Certainly not us. All right, thirty-five minutes on the clock, and here we go. First up, women's basketball games uh, this week were postponed because of COVID issues. I don't believe they were at Tech's program. I think it was both with Miami 
uh, and with U- UCF, Miami was supposed to be um, on the 17th, and UCF was supposed to be tomorrow, the 21st. Uh, so we won't see women's basketball back in action until the 31st when they play uh, conference favorite NC State at 7 p.m. on your local RSN. Yeah, um, those, were, those were within the programs. I, I, I was like, hmm, I should check ramblinrec.com. So I Googled it real quick. Those were on us. And uh, I'm sure excited to take uh, a week plus off and then run straight into the buzzsaw that is the best team in the conference. But we did beat them once last year. Almost the regu- beat them twice, right? Like we, we had a shot in the second game too. Oh yeah, it, it was close. Um, they pulled away in the end. That was the same. That was the same day uh, that we took on Clemson in the men's postseason. So that must have been the first round of the ACC tournament. Yeah, I think the first round of the ACC. Yeah, yeah, I remember getting that really crappy draw. Yeah, um, which which is unfortunate, but I mean, I think Tech. Uh, I mean, we at least have a shot. We we boat raced uh, Notre Dame and and outshot them with a super under understaffed team. And and who knows, honestly, coming out of the COVID break, what Georgia Tech is going to look like. Considering we haven't seen Fletcher yet, we haven't seen uh, Anaya Boyd yet, who is our top ranked freshman. Um, yeah, uh, if if they keep playing like they did, Boston College and Notre Dame Tech had a really great spread offense and uh, was super effective really from anywhere. Um, yeah. NC state just got to stay out of foul trouble, scrap for some uh, 50, 50 balls. And uh, hopefully the threes keep falling. Cause I think we're at 10 per game the last two games. So that's, uh, that's I think a problem for next week's podcast, right? I, I, I don't think in, when is NC state? NC State's the 31st, so probably next week, maybe the week after. Time is weird. Probably the week after. Um, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully when we talk about them again in two weeks, we, we have nice things to say, uh, and hopefully Tech can get the COVID uh, under control because that's not ideal. But, um, you know, um, if, if, there's, if there's a time to uh, just watch a lot of film and, and, and hunker down, it's going into your best uh, – opponent on the schedule i'd say (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh it is important to note that this same nc state team beat number one rank south carolina earlier this year so keep that in mind uh buzzsaw is accurate uh moving on let's talk about updating the cap the collegiate aquatic performance rankings that we invented from the rumble seat um totally not as a uh you know, a metric just to pump up Georgia Tech swim and dive, but it did it for us anyway. So let's talk about it. Uh, the men in the latest update will rank 10th. That would place them fourth out of 11 programs in the ACC, and the women were ranked 28th, eighth out of 12 programs in the ACC. Mr. Grant, you are the swim master here. Please tell me how to interpret these. Yeah. Um, again, our, the biggest caveat we have with cap is we're only as good as our numbers. Um, unlike, you know, uh, a college football playoff committee that can really oh, watch all. Oh, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Spoilers. Uh, um, no. Uh, again, with swimming, even uh, schools like Georgia Tech are pretty aggressive getting our, our content on ACC Network Extra when we're at home. But you really can't can't watch all these you you can get the times and that's about it and what are the times we have access to well we got uh 
the top 100 out of the USA Swimming database. So say if you look at our rankings and you go, wow, Pitt just doesn't exist in them. Yeah, uh, they don't because they don't have a top 100 swim in any event, but they're receiving uh, votes in the coaches poll. So again, that's our caveat. Uh, the way we want to look at the cap, though, is uh, it, it basically is saying that Georgia Tech's men are putting pretty decent rate of uh, of top 100 swims, again, compared to the rest of the country, something that definitely overrates us relative to what coaches see. Um, and, and a lot of that, I think, reflects well in the cap rankings that we have here because at the end of the year, a lot of a lot of what goes into building a regular season swim program is having depth, uh, is having that B relay score points, is having the you know the third guy picking up those one two points in every event uh, down towards the bottom. But when you get to the NCAA's, you got to go fast and you got to finish towards the top. And what does Tech have, especially on the men's side, is that top end. Uh, Top end talent, and and we're seeing it more on the women's side than we have in the past. So again, I think, uh, and and it kind of feeds into the other topic we have is talking about the schedule that they released for the spring. Um, the men and the women both have very compelling schedules. Um, they see Bama, a top fifteen team on both sides. Auburn, a top twenty five team on both sides. Florida State, we've seen them already, but a top twenty five team on both sides. Um, Garner Webb senior day it's the same reason that you make you know a, a looser opponent um your homecoming game in football um but yeah no I think uh we have a really compelling schedule we'll really see what this team is made of down the stretch I wouldn't be surprised I'm gonna go knock on some wood right now hopefully y'all heard that um next poll if the women can knock out Florida State uh who they beat once already this year um again in um in you know because we see them again on the schedule we can see them ranked in january <laughs> regardless of whether it's our poll or the coaches poll we will see them ranked in january if that's the case yeah um and that it, much like much like football much like basketball you see a a inertia of narrative an inertia of blue-bloodedness um be that wow illinois is supposed to be really good at basketball this year let's keep them ranked real high as high as we can and now they have three losses and, and they're still a good team you know but they kind of have that benefit of the doubt georgia tech men swimming more than the women have that benefit of the doubt it's a team you see in the polls a lot um it's a team that has had pretty good depth the last five or six years the women are going to have to prove themselves. Um, mm -hmm. know, we see them being at least pretty competitive uh, uh, on a relative stage. And, of course, it still puts them at eighth in the conference. So, again, you have a stacked conference. How much does that really matter? And uh, I'll put it like this. If the women throttle Vanderbilt, which other than Gardner-Webb is the, the – Vanderbilt only has a women's team, so that's why it doesn't apply to the men. If the women throttle Vanderbilt, who is the worst team in the SEC, but is still a top 40 team in our metric, I think that will be a good judge for their growth this year. Because mm -hmm. uh, unlike football, swimming does have cross-conference play. Uh, true. We, uh, I, th I think a, a great part of this pandemic, I don't know if it's uh, Coach Hart finally, I guess, listened to our podcast, re 
read what we write. Um, the, the swim team has scheduled week, 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 uh, three years ago. And it's got, it's slowly gotten better, I'd say. But, um, this is, this is the best schedule we've seen in, in years. I'm talking about this in my column tomorrow, or I guess today. So by the time you hear this, go, go click over on what I have to say and, and we can dive into this all we want. Um, but, uh, but no, Georgia Tech, uh, uh, I don't know if it's the pandemic or what, but we have both SEC Alabama schools. Um, we saw UGA uh, at their uh, at their invite. We're going to see Florida State twice, which is a great team. I'd say it's been pretty good to us. Mm-hmm. And, and you also sort of take advantage of the fact that the Southeast is a hotbed for swim talent, right? Because you have all of these really good programs in this area, even like, like you said, even Vanderbilt Nashville is a top 40 program by, by our metric and probably even by the coaches poll, if they went down to 40, uh, you, you have like, you have Athens, you have South Carolina, you have, um, you have Tennessee, you have Alabama, you have Auburn, you have all the, you have FSU, you have all these schools in the same area. And especially when you're limiting travel because of COVID, you're forced to focus on building your, uh, your schedule out of those teams and also because you're not pulling in mid-majors you're forced to schedule with the best of the best because those are the teams that that are in your region so this is how you get a very competitive very compelling schedule for the back half of the slate here yeah i uh I, i really like what they've done um again it it's i really got hung up on us ducking UGA, UGA taking us off their schedule, whatever. I don't, you're never really going to get a clean narrative on that. I was hung up on that for a long time of, uh, Hey, we want to see teams like that. Whatever. If they don't want to be on ours, if we don't want them on ours, uh, that's kind of what it is, but you got to fill those gaps and to see, to see Alabama, to see Auburn, that's what you want, right? You want to build better than Delta state better than Emory. I mean, no respect, no disrespect to them. They're they're D three champs on the women's side and the men's side in the last ten years, and and I think many many times in the last twenty um, on both sides. So but great team, D3. but they are D three. <laughs> they're yeah. close by, but they're D three. So it always comes with a caveat. Yeah, um, if, if we had COVID scheduled Emory or something like that, I'd probably be livid. But to not see Scad, oh my gosh. How, how true. All right. That, All right. Let's move on. Uh, last uh, rankings update for us. Volleyball moved up to seven in their coaches poll. No, we don't have our own metric that gasses them up to number one. Uh, but maybe we will. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And um, important thing to consider there, there's no Big Ten teams. Uh, and I don't think any – Pac-12 teams on that because I don't think either conference had a fall slate, but they're only ranking 15 teams. So who knows when that spring schedule will get dropped? Who knows uh, what'll happen when we go to a full ranking? If the Big Ten even plays, who knows what's up with that? Um, Stay bird for now. Yeah, at the very least, um, top 10 with a bit of an asterisk. I, I still think this is a top 15, top 20 program in the country, and. Uh, Wow, I gotta go knock on more wood. No one's and saying they can't hang a fall championship, ACC championship banner. I right still now. think they should. 
I, I think they should call this a dub and, and take the conference title because I don't know. Um, not that I'm doubtful about our chances in the spring. I think the tennis teams, I think golf, I think baseball um, all have very legitimate shots. And, I mean, it, if if men's swimming all brought some crowbars up to Greensboro with them for the conference championship and just had a couple strategic thwacks of NC State and Virginia – Oh, maybe there don't. too. But. No, no, we're not going all. God damn, I can't remember the name of the ice skater. Uh, uh, Tanya Harding. Yeah, we're not going Tanya Harding on other people. We're not. We're not condoning this. We're, your point has been. So made, what I'm, but we're not. I'm not condoning violence. What I'm hearing is volleyball just needs to take their ball and go home and hang a banner for the fall of, uh, of 2020. So should Cincinnati, but you know, um, we'll, we'll get there. I was going to say, is that the, how many uh, playoff salt jokes is that already? Two, three, three, at least three, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, speaking of salt, um, men's basketball has played a couple of games. Uh, one of which left us a little bit salty, uh, at least with the ending. That was a loss to Florida state. Uh, last week, uh, but they did pick up two wins over, I guess these, you'd call them mid and low majors in, in uh, Florida low. A&M and Delaware State. Low majors? Low majors. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I, I'm not the basketball guy, all right? This is a, you as the Midwesterner are, are supposed to be telling me how basketball works here. Is this, is this where I go wax poetically for 15 minutes about the beauties of mid-major Midwest basketball? No, we have 21 minutes that. left. So <laughs> let, let's, let's cut to the chase. Uh, Florida State game, I think it was basically the, the same mistakes that we've seen from uh, Georgia Tech men's basketball since the dawn of time, uh, turnovers, and a lack of good shooting. Um, from the perimeter, and just they just struggled with the length and the the height of, of Florida State. Um, yeah. With Florida A and M, and I'll let you finish, or I'll let you jump in once I finish going through all three games. Uh, Florida A and M, they had let A and M hang around, and they did not close that game out until the final minute or so. And then with Delaware State, that one was over by like a quarter of the way through the second half, um, and it ended up being a huge blowout. So. Tell me what you think of this three-game slate that we had so far. I expected to be four and two at this point. I expected our first two losses to be wins, and I expected the Kentucky game to be a loss. I don't think we could have asked for much different against FSU. Would it be nice to knock them off? Yes. but Was we it possible matched- for a, a significant portion of that game? They, yes. they did the darnest thing. They did the darnest thing. Is they got in a sixteen point hole, then went on a fifteen and zero run, and the the and then the crazy climbs back into the hole. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you gotta you gotta go. Oh gosh, they might do it. We could do it, and and it just was too much. You know, you, you start to get in foul trouble. You start to play with more. How you say? Risk-taking, uh, aggressiveness. Yeah, risk-taking, aggressiveness. And this is a team that uh, – I, I said this in, in the Slack, but watching Jordan Usher play reminds me completely of Todrick Jackson because yeah. there's like a mode that he has where it's just like, all right, I have the ball. Something needs to happen. 
I'm going to do that thing no matter what happens. And against Florida A&M, which is not a team where you need to be vaulting a guy eight feet from the uh, eight feet from the hoop, he tried to vault a guy and came down crashing into his hip because, you know, why not take yourself out for the season against FAMU to get a ridiculous acrobatic dunk? And I appreciate it. The dude puts his heart on the line, and that is the most commendable thing you can do for the team. But, like, there are just some times when this team is like, all right, I have the ball. I need to shoot the three. I need nope. to drive the basket. And, like, not that I'm not saying that's what happened against FSU, but it definitely changes the way they play the game. Um, it And sort of similar to that, uh, the – Delaware State game was just a plotting mess because no one felt the need to do that. I I get what your point. Like you, your point is your. I think your point is that that sort of risk taking works out sometimes, but other times it's just like a panic mode yep. um, for for the fan. Um, and with just the, I don't know what it was about this Delaware State game because we were watching this before we got on. It was just very, very boring. And I kind of, in retrospect, I kind of would appreciate it. Some sort of r- ridiculous risk-taking. Like, we saw the, uh, the alley-oop dunk in the midway through the second period. Like, that was cool. I'm not going to argue against that. But Off the backboard thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I, I got to watch that live. I haven't seen that uh, since watching NBA games. That's totally cool. It's just, other than that, this game was very not fun to watch. And I think what, when we were talking about it before we, before we hit record, you're like, well, this is just like how Georgia Tech plays basketball. It's a very defensive, like very, not, not necessarily conservative, but it's not, like when it works, it's not necessarily the most exciting to watch on the attacking end of the floor. And I think... I think that's kind of part of the reason why I've, I've never really do- dove down what I'm about to say. So uh, I'm workshopping it live. You're, um, you're workshopping a take here. You're 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 proofing a take here. Yeah, before before it goes in writing, before it goes on Twitter, it, the, before it goes in the Twitter. oven. Exactly. Um, I think that part of the reason that we say or see a lot of times Georgia Tech playing up or playing down to its opponents or whatever is because we play a aggressively defensive brand of basketball. That's what our coach is known for. And he does a really good job of defensive scheming. Just putting that out there. Um, That really responds and like on the offensive end depends on one, how well that defense is working in a given moment. And two is completely pace driven, not by the other team, but by our defense, you know, like that. If, if we are, effective on defense in grinding them out through long drawn out sequences, then we're going to be playing with less possessions. And Lord knows that it takes us, you know, some, some rhythm, some working into it, some, for lack of a better term, figuring out their own defense. So I I think it, you know, it's, it's that backside of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's just like watching like Iowa play football. It just <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like full respect. I'm I'm not saying I don't have anything against Iowa football and like 
to a certain extent, that's sometimes fun to watch. But man, the, is it just like you feel like you're in the Stone Age watching that brand of sport at any, certain times? Any other Atlanta, Georgia Tech, whatever audio media is not going to make this comparison, but I will. Um, oh, God. Georgia Tech men's basketball played a lot like the late years of Coach Joseph's women's basketball team. Okay. Okay. You're going to – you need to f- elaborate. Elaborating. A aggressively defensive, scrappy defensive team, which on the other end, especially before this year for for the men and before last year for the women, was very dependent on the big guy in the middle doing the stuff with – Limited okay. success on the three. If you remember your sophomore year, so 2016, 16, 16, 16, freshman yeah. year, the only person you would trust to get anywhere near a three-point shot was Quinton Stevens. Yes. Not even a Kogi or Todrick. If Todrick was shooting a three, Todrick, I, no. He fought against the, the NC State game where it came down to the wire. Todrick Jackson is the one that jacked up the three and bricked it. You know? Like, like that is – the brand of not and again not to not to bring in four year old beef here but until this year and and I think it'll play out more over the ACC schedule we are conditioned as Georgia Tech men's basketball fans to expect that obviously Jose is never not going to be a scrappy player on the defensive side of the ball and I think Pastner does a great job of bringing that out in in, in how he trains up his guys and, and Coach Revenel and, and the rest of the staff. But on the offensive side, just getting that space, and, and you can see a difference. I, I think we saw today more more of that space that we didn't see against uh, FAMU. Uh, uh, another thing that we saw against Kentucky, they did a really good job of getting, you know, looks down the baseline, looks from the three, looks on the drive. And, you know, when, when you put up almost 100 points, clearly it's, it, it's doing something of working. But again... Um, the reason that even scoring as many points as we did tonight is a plotting game is because of the competition. And, and, and it's also a fact of the matter of, uh, or a fact of modern day conferences and, and basketball and what have you, the same reason you don't see as many intersectional football games, the same reason you don't see as many non-conference baseball games, the, it's the death of the mid-major versus Power five matchup or power this six? Is, I guess this is where the this is where yeah. the Midwesterner who watches Arch Madness just cries into his sleeve. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, I remember two thousand and six really, really, really vividly. I went to at least five Bradley games, but there was four Missouri Valley teams in in the uh, NCAA tournament, including Bradley, of course. But um, like that's what you get when you lose the the. I guess DePaul's in the Big East, so that's a bad comparison. The Loyola versus Wisconsin, or the Marquette versus uh, the UIC, or Georgia State. Well, I guess Georgia State, we, we literally played them this year, so that's a bad yes, comparison. and then we lost. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but you don't see as many of those games, right? And, and, and Georgia State is a different um, – the thing that you lose the fastest in that is the – Interesting intersectional power five, power six matchups, and the interesting 
intersectional power five, any power five team versus versus a mid-major basketball team. Like you still see the CBS, uh, the CBS sports classic or, or like the, the preseason on it or whatever, you know, where it's, it's four teams, but it's, what is it? Kentucky, UNC, UCLA, Ohio state. Wow. How many titles do they represent? Like 30 years worth? Oh (laughs) boy. We're, we're like, you're going into like double meaning territory with this rant now. And we're, Getting dangerously close to spoiling our stoppage time special here. Yes. Anyways, uh, we're deep in we're deep in a the meaning of college basketball scheduling rant. But that's that's why you see see plotting uninteresting matchups, right? Delaware State is inherently an uninteresting team, just like Family is. But that's not okay. Again, we have to hedge here and give respect to our fellow, you know, educational institutions at Delaware State and and Florida A and M, but they are not particularly compelling basketball opponents. And I say that knowing full well that Georgia Tech basketball, in recent memory, has lost to similar opponents. So the 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 darndest part is even beating Delaware State is going to be a giant cudgel on our RPI, our net. Or, Just know. like Clemson was last year. Uh, or it was Clemson in the, on the women's basketball side. We beat Clemson twice. and yep, They were horrible. Yeah, <laughs> but they were terrible. terrible. Yeah. So and again, they're a power five school. But they're a power five school with an RPI that was like 200. Yes, but – and the thing that is different there is RPI is also based off the opponents of our opponents – records so all those teams that delaware state plays also play into our record and spoiler alert they're not any good either (laughs) womp womp yeah all right uh just to wrap up uh men's basketball is back in action uh, in three days versus uab it will go to birmingham for that one that one's at 8 p.m on cbs sports network and then they will finish out the year or this year at least calendar year uh, in McCamish versus uh, UNC. That's on the 30th at 8 p.m. on your local RSN. I have a legitimate Ooh. comment or question. Okay. okay. Does CBS Sports Network play the March Madness music? We are going to find out on Wednesday. Okay. I don't know if they do. I haven't watched the game. I haven't watched a basketball game on CBS, CBSSN. In a while. In this house, we are ESPN ACC Network stands. <laughs> Big fans of the mouse. Uh, moving on, let's talk a little bit about the fallout from the 2020 football season. Um, news came down, I think, the day after we recorded last week uh, that Tech was going to opt out of a bowl invite. Uh, that actually, that plus. Uh, a couple more schools opting out during the week and in the lead up to today uh, ended up making the ACC bowl slate quite, uh, quite thin. Let me, let me see if I can uh, pull that up. I can vamp here. Um, no, 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 no. I have it. I have it. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about Clemson Notre Dame a little, in a little bit, uh, but UNC is in the orange bowl versus Texas A&M. Um, Miami is shunted over to the Cheez-It Bowl versus Oklahoma State. 
<laughs> um, NC State is in the Gator Bowl versus Kentucky. Uh, that sounds familiar. Um, and then Wake Forest is in the Duke's Mayo Bowl versus Wisconsin. Uh, so, dropping back to Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, they played the ACC title game yesterday. That was a uh, uh, it was a game. It was a game that I watched until halftime when it became uninteresting. Uh, Clemson thirty four, Notre Dame ten. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I I thought it was boring. I thought it went exactly how we thought it would. But I think the most amusing thing that could come out of this horrible set of four teams. Um, Sorry. I, I, we, we still have some other stuff, so you can tease. But The most interesting year in college football wound up with the most predictable playoff. But anyways, Shock. I think the most compelling uh, matchup that we could get out of this is Notre Dame versus Clemson number three. <laughs> it really is. And I, I do want to see – I kind of do want to see it. Like not from like a – meme standpoint although that's definitely part of it like i'm not gonna sit here and say it's not part of it but um it would be interesting to see two acc teams and how the sec handles that level of uh of being shunted out of of their own party or what does seem that they think is their own party yeah i mean i still think cincinnati should have gotten it but you know if Notre Dame, I wasn't convinced that anybody had a shot against Bama until last night because I don't think Florida's all that good, and they gave Bama a run for their money. So if Ian Book can let Notre Dame settled for settled for field goals early, uh, and I, it's the same thing. It was like watching the the beginning of the Northwestern Ohio State game all over again. Stop settling for field goals. Stop throwing stupid interceptions. Whatever, giving up the ball. Um, if Notre Dame doesn't settle for field goals, they might give Alabama a run for their money. Am I saying it's likely? Nah. No, the line on that game opened at Bama by 17 and a half. Let's, yeah. let's keep that in mind. If they cover, I will call that a win for them. But like, I'm pretty sure we all know it's going to be Alabama probably versus Clemson for the fifth time in seven years. It's right? like the sixth or seventh time. And in, and in those – in oh, four, I think it's the fourth time in the last – Six years that they've met in the championship game, but they've met at least once in the in the semis. Yes, and oh, in each of those other two years, oh baby, um, the matchups were Georgia versus. Wait, no, Alabama played Alabama played Clemson in the semis the year that they played Georgia in the in the oh, final. No. Right. Anyways, I don't remember. The, Alabama and Clemson, uh, one of the two was in it the other two years with Clemson last year and Bama in 2017. So, you know, very, uh, very familiar sight. As for the other four Bulls, I think they're actually pretty compelling matchups. I think, okay, I, I don't know about, okay, I will say this. I don't know about the other, like the, the, the non-Orange Bowl ones, I think. Wake Forest versus Wisconsin is watchable. NC State versus Kentucky will be interesting. Miami, Oklahoma State just seems weird, like a very like weird mix of teams. But UNC, Texas A&M is very interesting to me. Um, does, te- is, does Texas A&M have this 
like SEC team doesn't want to be here hangover in this game? Uh, does UNC rise to the occasion in this game? Like, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a big stan of all three of these uh, top bowls. Orange Bowl, love the Orange Bowl. Cheese It Bowl always seems to be pretty interesting. Never Tax forget the first Cheese It Bowl. The yeah. Cal TCU Cheese It Bowl that had more picks than completed passes. The uh, and, and of course Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Who doesn't love that? Tech has historically seen success uh, at the uh, Jacksonville Stadium. Oh, I know where In you're going with this. 2006 ACC Championship notwithstanding. But the one bowl that I hate more than any other in America is the bowl formerly known as Belk. So uh, either way, Wake Forest or Wisconsin, I just hope that Belk Bowl loses. <laughs> well, there probably won't be fans or there will be limited fans. So like financially, technically. They could have had Auburn GT and they should still feel bad for not making that happen two years ago. <sighs> we're, we're rehashing old beef again. All right. With the two minutes that we have before stoppage time uh, and, and the rants that we have to go, let's uh, wrap up some of some more of these news items. Uh, National signing day was last Wednesday. Uh, we had a, some transfer news that broke uh, Tucker Gleason quarterback uh, and a wide receiver. Amarine Brown are both transferring out of the program. Uh, we wish them well wherever they're headed next. Uh, James Graham also announced that he was headed to uh, Georgia Southern. So, so good luck to him. Uh, transferring in, uh, we have uh, offensive lineman Devin Cochran from Vanderbilt, who was supposed to transfer in for the 2020 season. Um, there were some extenuating circumstances there. Uh, sort of still unclear what the situation is, but he did announce that he will be heading to Georgia Tech. Uh, this spring, uh, so that's awesome. Um, defensive tackle, the defensive tackle, Macias Scott from South Carolina. Uh, that was part of the fallout from Will Muschamp getting fired in Columbia. Um, linebacker Kevin Harris from Alabama. Offensive lineman Nick Penley from Mississippi State. And defensive back Kenyatta Watson the second uh, from Texas are all reporting to Tech for next season. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Camp and linebacker David Curry both declared for the NFL draft. Uh, we'll see how their workouts and their draft position sort of shake out uh, this spring. Uh, and then two players from this year's team said that they were going to return uh, for a second senior year, as they can, because this year basically didn't count for eligibility for the NCAA. Uh, offensive lineman Ryan Johnson uh, and then defensive back Tariq we are now into stoppage time. Uh, I know you have on here that you wanted to talk a little bit about, before, before we get into our rant, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about one of the interesting announcements that came out of signing day. Yeah. Um, before we do this, I, I do want to shout out Keon White, who's another transfer in. Yes. I knew there was a name that I missed. Yes. Um, very uh, hot. Uh, commodity from Old Dominion, yeah, Old Dominion. Yep, nineteen point five tackles per loss for loss, and a couple sacks plus a half. Um, so definitely good to see him joining the old squad. Seems seems like we've really rocked the transfer in market. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, especially on the on, on the lines, those can those can uh, pick up right away. 
But uh, yes, the the box is the streetwear brand for real, or was it just for the video. That is I important. kind of hope it's real. Uh, so so if you didn't know, um, Tech released the video the day before signing day, so Tuesday, uh, that seemed to advertise a streetwear brand um, with a partnership with Adidas that had you know the four hundred four logos, uh, the ATL logos, and all that stuff. Uh, on denim jackets and uh, like track jackets and and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I would. Uh, I mean, it, it said coming twenty twenty one. It was kind of unclear whether it was a recruiting ad or a streetwear brand announcement, uh, because especially because there wasn't a press release that accompanied it. Um, it's not my style, but uh, you know. I'm down. Yeah. Um, I I think I'd still buy like something to support. Um, but I just hope it's real. I, I think we've complained a lot about Adidas not showing tech the kind of love they show other places or tech and Adidas not showing people that would pay good money for even half of what they offer the football players. Um and or I think tech, uh, you know, tech and it's just, just tech and it's apparel contracts in general. We've, we've complained uh, about that too. I, I think this would do a lot to both rectify that with the fans and also just be interesting to the city of Atlanta. You know, like if and recruits, don't forget recruits, of course, recruits too. Um, and again, if they do it, I hope they open it up. To regular people, I I know you and I may not buy the most of that, but there's plenty of people that are either closet tech fans or relative tech fans, but could go straight into what Matt Brown wrote two days ago um, that we should talk about off air, so we can bring it back to the podcast next week. But um, the way Georgia Tech is going to succeed in Atlanta is by making roots that we either used to or never did have with people. Um, and, and I think something like this really speaks to the specific culture and vibe of Atlanta in a way that we could really, really benefit from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the last thing uh, I have to say on this before we move on. It's kind of like what Oregon did with the flashy uniforms uh, at the tail or like the mid 2000s, right? Oregon is not a national brand, or it was not a national brand. Oregon was not, I mean, it wasn't a dumpster fire. Uh, and, but when, but it, like that brand and that organization was completely sh- supercharged by Phil Knight pumping money into his alma mater and then saying, look, I will make you a new uniform for every single game that you play. And that's what became Oregon's thing. That's what people knew Oregon for. Um, and so if, and that, and Oregon was kind of the first team to take advantage of that and take advantage of, of just like kids propensity to be like, Ooh, I want the shiny new, new. Um, and if tech can sort of capture that same magic with, with something like this, then, you know, you're cooking with gas there. Yeah. Um, it, we don't need to be Oregon. We just need to be Georgia tech. And, and I think this would be a really great way to be Georgia tech. Um, also, shout out to the people on, on Reddit who are commenting that those streets were closer to Georgia State uh, than Tech. We are a four-minute drive away from each other. It is all relative. <laughs> um, no, 
it, that that's the kind of thing that you know if, if you can if you can show Atlanta and you can use Atlanta that's that's what Collins is trying to do right I think this would be a logical extension of his mission in the city if if that's an okay way to put that mm-hmm. yeah no it, it makes sense it's like it's all about trying to connect to the culture of the city connect to to the 404 god i can't believe those words came out of my mouth um <laughs> it like i i think we've we've given we've given the idea of the of the brand and the marketing a lot of brief um just because of the it's all sticky and it's not so it, it it's hard to see marketing working well when you're losing games i think yeah. is sort of our 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 thought on it but it, it like th- these type of things are investments that can pay off yeah i agree <laughs> okay I, uh, it it's it's something that needs to to happen in some form i think okay speaking of which something that needs to happen in some form we have six minutes on uh, of stoppage time left our rep has been very gracious and and uh bequeathed upon us that time the college football playoff is done please discuss yeah um i I think we see that from this that it's not a fun system it's not a competitive system it's just an invitational that can be manipulated in order for it to be i guess what the powers that be see as the most beneficial. Like the the damning part of this is our athletic director is complicit in this. We don't know what he says or what he does, but like Georgia Tech has a relatively high voice, and and the college football playoff committee is more representative of uh, of G five schools and the the non Ohio states, Clemson's, Alabama's, Oklahoma's of the world, and yet we still got very much a similar uh, outcome, right? Yeah, and, and this is something that you were talking about before before we got on the air. Uh, just just compare the numbers, the, the unique teams that have made the playoff versus the unique teams that made the, the BCS championship game. 11 unique schools have been slotted into four slots, four playoff slots in, what, seven years, seven iterations, compared to 15 yep. unique schools across – what like 14 16 years uh with two spots of the bcs yeah it's, if my math is correct we're at 20 we're at 28 playoff spots that have ever existed and there were 32 slots that ever existed in the uh in the bcs next year would have to be a completely unique slate uh, from any team we've seen before, it's which no is not Oregon. happening. It's going to be three of yeah. the same teams. Like no, it, it's all... no Ohio <laughs> State, no Clemson, no Alabama, no Georgia, no LSU, no Oklahoma. Which is just not where... going to happen because three of those teams yeah. are the best recruiting teams in the country. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just not going to happen. And, and it, I remember you made a point, and I want you to bring it up because you remember it specifically. But you made you made a point well before we were talking, um, just about the the parody or, or the self-fulfilling prophecy of the sport. Well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because 
when you when you make the playoff the end all be all and th- that's what it is there, there's shows committed to it there's an obsession with it that that the there's playoffs, an entire cottage right? industry that espn yeah. has created of criticism from bo- like that's both supports the playoff and criticizes the playoff and and there that they own <laughs> If you look at it like this, right, the, the BCS, once it was unhooked from being the Rose Bowl is the, the national championship game, the Orange Bowl is a national championship game, became a the, the best bowl out of the set of the bowls, right? But still, if you were that, if you were one of, not one of the two teams that went, the Rose Bowl still had the cachet of the Rose Bowl. The Orange Bowl still had the cachet of the Orange Bowl. But we live, or, or the, wow, college football is not life. Um, college football is a part of life. Um, but but we exist in a time where increasingly you can't say we won nine ten games at, and the Gator Bowl or the Citrus Bowl or the even, even or whatever like, like tier one our, tier one historically good bowl. Insert that here. Yeah, um, and, and you can't look to that or point to that as a. As a, or even a conference championship. If you win a conference championship and you're not in the playoff, it's like, really? It doesn't turn heads. It goes, what's wrong with you? You know, mm-hmm. in a way that the sport concentrates its power, or it the the the, the it it becomes more and more stratified. The more and more uh, the 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 playoff becomes the end all be all, which makes Recruits go to certain schools, which makes certain schools win, which makes certain schools go to the playoff, and it becomes like more and more of a big mass momentum, constant motion machine, right? And mm-hmm. once that wheel is spinning, it, it, it's spinning, and, and that's where we're at in this cycle, I think. And and it's really interesting, um, I think, to see how the the like uniqueness of the playoffs or the unique number of teams has changed as it's gone as well, because I mean, obviously, yes, now in the first time they had it, that Clemson is going to be the, it's the first time Clemson was there. Right. But still Oregon, Michigan state, same year, you know, it's, it's not like Washington was an isolated thing. LSU was an isolated thing. Georgia was an isolated thing. I hope it continues to be an isolated thing. (laughs) I, I, I agree. But, but the point is we, we see this year, Four teams that have already made the playoff before. Um, it was interesting in 2018. Notre Dame was, wow, Notre Dame made it this year. Last year, LSU made it this year. We have the least interesting field as ever. 2017, oh, wow, Georgia's in the playoff this year. 2016, oh, wow, Washington's in the playoff this year. Oh, uh, 20, uh, 2015, 2016, you had Michigan State. Uh, Oklahoma was a first-time appearer. Clemson was a first-time appearer. And then 2014 uh, was the first iteration of the thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, at, which still had Alabama and Ohio State, but at and least Florida every, State. Uh, yes. Um, well, but at least every year before this one, there was at least one new thing. You know, like it, there was at least one. Okay, like whatever. Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State are here a lot, but. I don't know. And and you had a perfectly good argument to have a quality Cincinnati team in this playoff. 
and, and even Coastal Carolina, outside shot, whatever. Yeah, um, I, look, uh, we're we're running dangerously out of stoppage time, but and dangerously out of our wheelhouse. <laughs> that too, but my my thing here is the sport has never been fair, but this yep. is just like anti-competitive at a certain level. And you're right. It is all just a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is all a perpetual motion machine that prints money for ESPN and the conferences. Um, it, you had a, a, a power five pro, like athletic director say point blank uh, on ESPN that a G5 team can make this playoff when we all know that is patently false given the criteria that they have historically set down for uh, inclusion in the playoff. Um, The most damning part of that is that you can see an an Iowa State team with three losses, including a mutual loss, to a team that Coastal Carolina beat and be above them. It's like, oh, yeah, well, then if the regular season actual results don't matter and you sit – I don't know. it, it, no, it's it's something that the athletic touched on. It, it's something you're you're touching on something that the athletic touched on a couple like a couple days ago when when we had the last rankings release. It's like if you're gonna rank Cincinnati below Oklahoma and Iowa State and just like and and Coastal Carolina in the same way when we're talking about Iowa State uh, and that mutual loss in in Louisiana, why even play the games? Like you've already come up with your narrative. Why play the games? Like, even. You, Let's just set the rankings at the beginning of the season because it it obviously doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, like even if you look at it on the face, a one loss Indiana team, and you know if if Northwestern won yesterday, there was still no chance they would make it in. Even though they no, were the it might still be Ohio State. Okay. It, it, it might were... still have been Ohio State. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they only had one loss, and it was to the Big Ten champion. Well, we get it. It's it's the Ohio State. Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame. I don't know who. Uh, it's like it's it's a it's a cabal of fifteen teams that can win the national championship in in any given year, and that yeah. that's the way that it's going to be. That's the way that the sport is going to be. It, it it's it's a cabal of fifteen teams that can compete. Let me well, be clear. It's a cabal of fifteen teams that can compete for a national championship. It is way closer to like five that in any given year they can actually win it. And and Akshay, look at the G five. Or not the G5, the New Year's Six, wow, <laughs> numbers. Um, the New Year's Six Bowl selection, yes, you have Oregon has to go, tie-in, that's weird. UNC has to go, tie-in, whatever. Indiana's not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Coastal Carolina is not going to a New Year's Six Coastal Bowl. Coastal Carolina is ranked number nine in the nation and got shunted over to the Cure Bowl. Yeah, Cincinnati is okay. Cincinnati was in the Peach Bowl, but you could have made an, a pretty compelling argument that they should have been in the playoff field. Yeah, like it, and, it, and and Army with nine wins isn't even going to be in a bowl at all. Like it, it just shows because because it, six count them six SEC teams that have sub five hundred records are taking bowl invites. It and, it, and we we can unpack the the Mike Bobo says they didn't give their players a vote thing some other time. <sighs> Okay, I don't want to. That's yeah. more worked up than I want to be tonight, and, and I think we need to <laughs> we need to rate it in here. I have uh, a thought at least. Um, go for it. 
you know, and the regular readers of our site know that me, more than anyone, I love tradition. I, I, I think that's one of the most special parts about being in college, let alone college sports, let alone college football. Um, I think we have evolved to the point where our system is a Frankenstein monster uh, of what of both what we want it to be and what it used to be. I, I think you can go one way. You can make it have all the bowls and then pick the two best teams after those bowls for a national championship. You could go to, all right, there's 10 conference championships, 10 teams make it, you know, whatever, which essentially makes it a 20-team playoff. Whatever, whatever you want to do, there has to be a fix out there because whatever it is, this ain't it. This is not it. Every other NCAA sport that competes in postseason tournaments, the conference champion from every conference, which is what makes March Madness compelling, which is what makes the College World Series in baseball and softball compelling, which is even what makes the most stratified sport in the world, women's college basketball, at least somewhat interesting, is that every conference champion has a seat at the table. And I'm not saying that that's possible in football just because of the ridiculous size that that would make a playoff, right? And, and yeah, Notre Dame we're not would, suggesting like, expand the playoff to sixty-four teams. Yeah, like you can never, you can never do something like that. But it, even FCS manages to pull off a twenty-four team playoff. It's just do pro rel, just do pro rel in a Champions League. I'm, I'm over it. I'm just figure it out. We are promoting and relegating teams on this podcast. I just know that I, I'll never look at these bowls anymore. Like, yes, as a as a kid, whatever, as an early college student, whatever, before the playoff really, you know, got got up and running. I'll never look at the Rose Bowl really quite the same way as say, like my grandfather still does, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that is a I'm one person in, in in a sea of change. If you're listening to this, dear reader, and you've made it this far into our now rant completely unrelated to Georgia Tech. We've gone off the wagon. Right. We've fallen not only off the wagon, but off the road and maybe off the side of the mountain. Yeah, um, but just something has to change. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the best solution is. But whether that looks more like what things used to be or – what FCS is or, or some other thing, this this ain't it. And you're never going to have a draft. You're never going to have recruits spreading equally all over the place. And guys want guys who have grown up thinking that they're the cream of the crop in, in their high school and going off to think that they can win that spot at Alabama is going to still happen. That spot at Clemson is still going to happen. But, you know... Everyone comes from somewhere. Clemson did it, but that was also kind of in a different time. So I, I don't know. I just think something has to change, whether it's philosophically, systematically, because college football, this this playoff is, is not compelling or interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're both still suckers and we'll watch it, despite the Rose Bowl game not being <laughs> at the Rose Bowl and also not really being a Rose Bowl. Um, but... You know, that's the curse of the college football fan. It's just, you know it's broken. You know it needs to be fixed. But you can't stop watching what is pure drama and pure entertainment at times. Yeah, 
and and they'll still make they'll still make their money. They'll still print millions of dollars. And oh are, my god, that's the funniest part of this. No one the, the it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that is an absolute mint. I should be over the moon cuz you know what this means, right? Even though there's only 6 ACC teams in bowls, there are two ACC teams in the college football playoff. One, screw you haters. Two, that's good. <laughs> that's good for the program. That's one of the big reasons that Georgia Tech went back to being in a conference after being an ind- independent is because you pool bowl opportunities and bowl money. Self-fulfilling prophecy, better bowls, more money, better so payouts. Benefit from this. <laughs> the sport explains everything. That's all I got. That's yeah. that's my last thought. The sport explains everything. You it ties into everything, even the things that you wouldn't think about. Yeah, I agree. All right, should we should we call it there and let everyone off the hook and you know let them you know waddle back over to their wagons? Yeah, I mean uh, we should probably put in a uh, a note that says after this point <laughs> there's no more talking about tech. Uh, tech sports. No, no, but... no, 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 no. They get no warnings. I, I don't believe in warnings. If they want to listen, they get the whole hog. If, uh, if, if, if you are a regular listener, a regular, uh, reader, as always, you can connect with us on from the rumble at FDRS blog. You can find both Akshay and myself on Twitter. Uh, we're always down to chat. Um, it's winter break, uh, at least for me. So we have plenty of time to do it. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. Tell your friends. We uh, we really like doing this, and uh, and uh, we hope that you do too. Yeah. So, listeners, thank you again for tuning in this week, and we will uh, catch you all a little later. Have fun, stay safe, and happy holidays. Oh,